This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. Hello. Happy uh, Monday, November 8th, 2021. We got a lot to get to today, mainly that we're back and we're better than ever. Except for, I apparently have a frog in my throat now. Uh, We are giving away this Xbox um, Series S. Series S. I'm a little rusty this morning. Hello. (laughs) Is this thing on? Just like I was just talking for 15 minutes and didn't have a single. It's a projection. <clears throat> Hi. Should get a cough button. Anyway, the point <laughs> is we're giving away this Xbox Series S. When we get to 3,000 subs, we're like 300 away from that. So rock and roll. All you have to do is hit subscribe, take a picture that you're subscribed, tag us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. And you are entered to win the Xbox I Am The Monty Show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Jake is SLC Supercars. On Twitter, Instagram, (laughs) or TikTok. Uh, A lot to get to today. Um, I think we have to talk about the jazz, which we will do coming up. How was Florida? Florida. We'll talk about that coming up. And got to hit the Utes, who dismantled Stanford Friday night. That was incredible. We've got to talk about our trip. We boarded our dogs, and I am traumatized by it. Uh, I was, seriously, (laughs) seriously traumatized. Um, And we're going to start the show by talking BYU football. And the big question on everybody's mind, Jake, is has BYU earned a New Year's Six Bowl bid? Have they done enough? Obviously, the scrimmage against Idaho State, your Georgia Southern matchup, and then you have USC on the schedule. I don't know if I can confidently say today they've done enough, Jake, but in your opinion, does BYU belong in a New Year's Six Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, right here today, yeah, you still have some proving to do, but I but I do think this particular year, yeah, I, I think they do. And, and the reason for that, well, there's actually a couple of reasons. Number one, I think if you if you end your season on a high, and we've been talking about this all year long, and it's funny how all this has played out, but you know if you end your season on a high, and let's say that you handle USC on the road, let's say that you beat USC by you know 14 points, let's say, um, in a comfortable fashion, in a dominant fashion, you can't tell me you're not going to get rewarded with with a New Year's Six Bowl by 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 the people, uh, you know, ranking teams. You know, I, I just I just can't see a world where you know, BYU goes on the road and does that and they're not rewarded. That would be really surprising to me. You know, secondly, I think, um, you know, the ESPN relationship, how many eyeballs are on BYU, you can't tell me that those things are not being taken into account um, by the people ranking teams. And so to me, have they done enough to earn a spot right here today? No, but if you go out and you win these last two games, then yes, in my opinion, you have, and I think for BYU as a program, getting into the, to a New Year's Six Bowl would be the perfect, um, you know, cherry on top to uh, what's been a really, I, what I think we could all agree has been an up and down season. You know, you you've played good football for the most part, 
You feel like if you hadn't had all those turnovers against Boise that maybe we'd be having a different conversation right now. But at the end of the day, you're still right here, and you still have a lot to play for. So, yes, I think, you know, assuming they, they win these last two games and they beat USC comfortably, you've done enough, in my opinion, to to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Well, and I think that's the biggest question. Would Will you have done enough? Today, I think they have. I, I mean, I, I think, obviously, it's not good enough. We're only on November 8th. But I think when you look at, at the fact that you're going to finish at USC and you're probably going to beat them, because I don't think USC has any idea what they're doing with quarterbacks. This whole Jackson Dart situation, the way they're using him, you know, sometimes he's playing, sometimes he's not. Like, it's really bizarre. Um, I think you gotta you gotta hand him the football and let him play. But I think if they beat USC, especially at USC, and I don't care who's hurt and who's not, it is not a diminished win. It is a, a another win over a top twenty, you know, a top really. A, a perennial college football powerhouse is the way to say it. Six wins, you know, over P5 teams. Like, there's no way to knock what BYU has done. Would you have loved to have gone undefeated? Sure, any team would. But how many undefeated teams are left? And if you look at the way the college football playoff is, is going now, um, you can't tell me that a team like a Cincinnati, who barely hung on to win over the weekend, is more deserving than than BYU. I that's and to me, Jake, that's the conversation. If you look at the teams that are currently set up to be in a New Year's six and to be in the college football playoff, I just don't know how you justify, you know, like everybody's hot on UTSA right now. Um, everybody's hot on Cincinnati. Mm. How can you look at the schedule that BYU's played and then be more impressed with Cincinnati? be more impressed with teams like UTSA. I just don't see how that's possible. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think for the for like Cincinnati fan or UTSA fan, like I think what they're what they're leaning on is the fact that the Pac-12 is not a good conference, you know, and 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 really right now in the top 25, the Pac-12 has the fewest teams in in, you know, the top 25 with one, and that's Oregon. So so I think if you're a Cincinnati fan, the the case that you're going to make is that you know, hey, sure, BYU has, you know, has, you know, five, you know, P5 wins and will likely have six P5 wins by the time the season's over. But, you know, who are those P5 teams compared to who we've played? Now, that that would be Cincinnati fans' take. My take is, is it doesn't really matter to, you know, in the in the big scheme of things for BYU if, if their P5 opponents are Alabama or if it's Stanford right or if it's UCLA or whoever the fact is is you're able to say as a BYU fan yeah man we've got you know five p5 wins and we've got one bad loss I mean that's a pretty good you know pretty good resume to be you know sitting on and you know and, and I think again that's why this USC game has always been so important and, and that's why I appreciate you know, the, the scheduling and, and the job that Tom Holmo's done because at the end of the day, think about it. If you didn't have the USC game on your schedule to end the year, what are we really looking at here, right? I mean, if you had another Wachitachi State to end the season, you're you're not – you don't have any way to justify. Wachitachi yeah, State. Yeah, but, but I know, it, you know, all jokes aside, I'm being serious. Like, if you don't have – if you don't have that one last big game on your schedule to end the year, you know, and send a clear message that you are better than, yeah, you know, SC, and yeah. you're better than Utah, even though I think, you know, we're going to get to Utah. I think if BYU and Utah played again, I think there'd be a different outcome 
frankly, but it doesn't matter. You beat Utah this year. So that's why I say there's a lot at play here. But at the end of the day for BYU, regardless of what Cincinnati fan thinks, you have to beat USC and you have to beat them in a dominant fashion to get to the New Year's Six Bowl. And I think they will do that. Yeah, I think it is a foregone conclusion at this point that BYU's had one of the best seasons in the history of the program. But is it is it diminished if you don't get a New Year's Six Bowl? I, I think there will be a significant level of disappointment. I mean, you come out, you're 14th in the AP Top 25. Um, you know, you would think that you would move up based on who's lost. Um, in the college football playoff rankings, you would think that you would be probably somewhere around 12 this week. I mean, you're really close. You are really close. Now, you're also into a bye here. You're then going to play a Georgia Southern team that you should dismantle. So where are we going to be in three weeks when when you're getting ready for USC? You're probably – you're not going to – there's no way that, that BYU should be past like – 20th right but you're going to take there's going to be you're going to you fall 20th like you're going to fall in the rankings off your bye week that always happens for teams right where like you I you, I, I, I serious no I totally disagree they're not going to be 20th there's no justification no, I'm, saying, I, I, I'm not saying they're going to be 20th I'm saying they're not going to fall past that I'm saying that they're going to be in the teens somewhere and that SC win is going to define whether they get yeah I know, totally disagree 12. I think that that where they are this week is where they're going to be after their bye um, I don't think you punish a team for uh, a bye week. I don't think it matters <clears throat> that they, you know, that their their bye is in November. I, I think BYU should rightfully be around 12th when the college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow. I think that you're you're hoping um, for a larger jump than that, but it would seem like, and this is just my opinion based on what we saw in the AP Top 25. Um, it would seem like there's a lot of, you know, love for teams like Wake Forest. Um, you know, I, I think I, I, it'll be interesting to see where, you know, the Michigan, Michigan states of the world end up. Um, because you're looking at teams, frankly, that in my opinion, get a lot more love than they deserve in the, in the, in the, the AP top 25. And I think that's why the college football ranking is so much more important um, because I think that you have industry professionals um, judging that. And I think the AP Top 25 has been, um, you know, there's a lot of pollstering that goes on. There's a lot of politicking that goes on that I think is not present for the college football playoff. But the idea that you would almost punish BYU because of a bye week, I think, is is a bit much. I think BYU should be 12th, um, in my opinion, when those rankings come out. And I think a week from now, they should still be 12th. And I think they're going to steamroll Georgia Southern. And this goes to the conversation we were having watching this game. Like, why did you pull your 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 second, or why did you pull your first string so early in this game? Like, I mean, it is, it is a little disappointing that BYU did not try to put up 65, 70 points in this game. I think it's mandatory. And I think that you're, you're playing a team in Idaho State who doesn't belong on the same field with you, take advantage of that. And it, it injuries are part of football. Injuries are going to happen. Football hurts. Obviously, we saw that against Idaho State. But you need to send a message with these two games. And I don't think BYU did that, frankly, 
uh, against Idaho State. I think they missed an opportunity to really, really send a message. And I don't know why you wouldn't have done that. In my in, in my opinion, that was a mistake. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what these games are about. I mean, that that's what, you know, that we, we, we see this every single year. You know, you've got some powerhouse team just kicking the living hell out of some team that shouldn't be on the same field with them. And, and I feel like, you know, those are the kind of games where you want to put up 60 or 70 so that on the, the next day on ESPN, on the stringer, it says BYU 71, Idaho State 10. Because <laughs> like, nobody, nobody, no poll voter is going to be watching that game. Yeah. And frankly, I doubt many in the college football playoff are going to be watching that game. But what my point is, is if they watch the box scores, mm -hmm. they watch the, you know, the, the tickers of the, you know, they watch the, the wrap up shows. You need to put a highlight tape on film. And to me, I, I don't know that BYU did that. And if it was up to me, I, 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 I'd have run that score up. I would have absolutely taken every snap possible with my ones. And I would have boat raced Idaho state right off the field mm -hmm. because I'm here to prove a point. And What's the point of scheduling Idaho State in November if that's not what you're doing? Because it, I guarantee you next week that's what Alabama and Nick Saban are going to be doing. Mm -hmm. So I would have liked to see BYU be a heck of a lot more aggressive with the, you know, with their tactics in that game. Now, you know, hey, if they come out of the bye and you're right with some crazy scenario where they're not in the top 20 anymore, maybe you do that. Maybe you do that, but. I'd do it anyway. I don't know. I'm, I'm merciless in that way. And, you know, maybe this is part of the issue that, um, you know, we always talk about is Kalani, you know, is Kalani soft? Is Kalani showing too much heart for his opponent? Um, the problem with that theory is I'm not here for the opponent. I'm here for what's best for BYU football. Yeah. And that to me feels like an issue. So we'll see. I don't know. I, it to you know to round this conversation out, I do feel like BYU has done uh, quite a bit. Now you have some work to do against USC, but BYU's done quite a bit to earn a New Year's Six Bowl, and I think they belong there. I really do. I I think if BYU is is you know if BYU's not in a New Year's Six Bowl, I would be incredibly disappointed. It would be surprising, in in my opinion. I mean, I, I just don't know why. If you run the table. Yeah, if you run the table, assuming you run the table, it, it would be surprising that they would not be there. I mean, again, you if you run the table, you have the ability to say, hey, man, we've got six P5 wins. Like, we we have dominated this schedule. Yeah. You know, we've again, we've got one bad loss. You know, one loss where you're like, man, we just played like crap. We turned the football over. Like, I mean, we just did not play well. And but then – you know, yeah, go ahead. But then what do you say to Oklahoma? Oklahoma's 9-0, and and Cincinnati's ranked ahead of Oklahoma in the AP Top 25. Yeah. Uh, like, it makes no sense to me. And, you know, I, I, I look at Georgia, 9-0, and number one, 63 first-place votes, not a, not a question in my mind. Yeah, I think if you're a Cincinnati fan, like, you're, you're, you're getting what you asked for. And I feel like, you know, you made a point last week about Notre Dame, about how you know, Notre Dame has this has all this brand recognition, but every time they get to the college football playoff, they get their face punched in. And that's yep. what I feel like. And, and I'm not trying to hate on Cincinnati fan, but that's what I feel like is going to happen here. Cincinnati is going to get in a college football playoff and they're going to get stopped. And, and and that's because they haven't played anybody. They're not they're not a proven team. So I don't know, man. I, I, I understand. You know that that we have to value undefeated teams at this point in the season, but I just can't. You know I can't get down with you know Cincinnati, 
you know, somehow having this powerhouse program all of a sudden and, and everyone thinks that they're going to go out and win a national championship because I just don't see it. I, I But this is, again, when I say about Wake Forest. Wake Forest has a nice win or two. They should not be ranked ahead of BYU, in my opinion. I, I look at Wake and, and I say to myself, okay, you know, I mean, I guess I get it. You're in a P5 conference. BYU is an independent. But are we talking about who who's a better football team? I think BYU has a better resume. I know BYU has a better resume. Um, I look at at the pro, the projections. Um, you know, obviously you're looking at at you know major brands. I would be really surprised if Georgia and Alabama didn't you know didn't meet in the SEC championship game. How much do you discount the loser of that game? Mm, I mean, I, I think you have to. They have to pay a price. But at the end of the day. Listen, at the end of the day, what what to me what the college football playoff should come down to overall is this mix of okay, we know we have the two best teams in the country, right? And this is why I feel like everyone is so surprised about Alabama being number 3. It, we know for a fact without a shadow of a doubt that Alabama is a better team than Cincinnati. <laughs> we mm -hmm. just we all know that. So so the college football playoff should simply come down to the two best teams, Georgia and Alabama, and then everybody else. And and this is where I feel like, you know, you can't have three losses if you're trying to get into the college football playoff. That's not that just can't be a reality if you want to you want to be there. So penalizing teams for losing at, at the top end. Yeah. I mean, if you have three losses, you should be done. That's that's just I, I literally I think that's just how it works. It'll be interesting to see what happens with with BYU. I think there's just as much intrigue with with Utah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I mean if Utah ends up in the Rose Bowl, mm -hmm. even if they don't win the Pac-12 championship, I mean, if you if you look at, um, you know, if you look at where the rankings are now, there's a lot of people, you know, who have Oregon going to the Cotton Bowl, and that puts that puts whoever you know the runner-up is into the Rose Bowl, mm -hmm. and you, know, that's going to be either Oregon or Utah. So, I mean, Utah's in a really good position dismantling Stanford. Yeah. Absolutely just breaking them in half. Isn't it a bit surprising they're not in top 25? Like, even even the low end of the top 25? I, I, I am stunned that, that Utah's not ranked in the top 25. Yeah. I mean, this has been a nutty college football season. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, you know, and I know that, that Cincinnati fan hates that I, you know, we have a lot of Cincinnati fans who comment on this show. Um, I get it. I just don't think that there's a genuine argument for teams like Cincinnati and Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't. I mean, if you're going to do it as an independent, I don't know how BYU's not the blueprint. Yeah, they've done a hell of a job. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I don't know what else you could ask BYU to do other than what they've done. I mean, obviously you would – Rather have not turned the ball over 26 times and lost to Boise. Mm -hmm. uh, and you would have liked to have, have had some semblance of a quarterback who was able to play quarterback against Baylor. But other than that, I mean, you, you've looked pretty good the rest of your schedule. I don't, I don't, I just don't. I have no respect for what Cincinnati's done. There's, it's a joke to me that they're ranked number two in the country. It's, yeah. it's embarrassing. Yeah. To me, it's, it, it's embarrassing with that schedule. How am I the only one that's not appalled it, that Cincinnati's number two? It makes you wonder, or at least makes me wonder personally, like, you know, if the committee's sitting around saying, okay, 
you know, we know we've got Georgia and Alabama in this thing, and we know we've got a couple of weeks to make them the two best teams in, you know, in the country and everything. So, you know, how much of the, hey, we need people talking about this, TV ratings, all that kind of a thing, is the Cincinnati at number two thing? That I It makes me wonder about that. Yeah, and I, I just think, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that, you know, that devalue the Pac-12 or BYU can only play the teams that they've scheduled. A team like Cincinnati is in a weak-ass conference and has played subpar competition. So are we going to devalue Cincinnati because of their subpar competition? Well, no, they're the number two team in the country. So then why are we devaluing BYU? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just the, – the, it doesn't reconcile in my mind that Cincinnati gets all the respect that they get. It, it it just doesn't. And again, this is why I tell you, I don't care who's the ninth string tailback at BYU. I don't ever want to hear their name. I don't want to see him on the field. I want to see Tyler Algier pounding Idaho State. I want to see Jaron Hall pounding Idaho State. Mm-hmm. I want 60, 70 points on the board against Idaho State. You didn't get that. And when you're trying to make a New Year's Six Bowl, do you understand the money Do you understand the prominence? Do you understand you're already continuing week after week? It feels like BYU gets a huge recruiting win. Put up 60 points and go to a New Year's Six Bowl and see what that does. Yeah. Yet, Utah's having one of the worst seasons in Kyle Whittingham's tenure. Right? I mean, all the adversity off the field in the last 12 months, like just horrendous. You feel terrible. And now all of a sudden you've run your Pac-12 slate. You're going to probably end up in the Rose Bowl. And there's an argument to be made that Utah had a better season than BYU, regardless of what happened in the in the rivalry game. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Well, and that's because Utah's going to play in the Rose Bowl. And you're going to play in the Pool and Weed Eater Bowl. And I, I so I just don't understand the philosophy of, oh, let's take our foot off the gas. We've got to play the 38th string right tackle to make sure that we have depth. (laughs) It makes no sense. I don't care who the X depth player is. Yeah. We're not here to play. Everybody gets a participation ribbon. Don't care. We're here to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. We're here to win football games. We're here to make money. Thanks. Exactly right. What's the church all about? Making money. So let's not talk about, like, there was an argument Saturday night on Twitter. Well, you know, morally speaking, fuck morals. I'm not here for morals. I'm here to win football games. Excuse my French. Because I was, again, told over the weekend I curse too much. I really don't care if you think it's us. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I curse too much. Whatever. <laughs> uh, my point is, I'm not here to play nice guy. Yeah. We're here to win football games. We're here to go to New Year's Six Bowl games. You know, like, why was it such a big deal then you got into the Big 12? Why was it such a big deal? What, what were, what, like, what is getting into the Big 12 mean to you? I don't know. I, we get to print nice hats and t-shirts? No. What it means is that BYU has access to a national championship. Ah, but we're nice, you know? Yeah, we, you know, we have a, we have a touchdown lead. We better take a knee. No, we don't take knees. No, we beat, we put 60, 70 points on Idaho state. And we send a message that we belong playing in, in a game on, on new year's day. Mm-hmm. That's what playing football games is all about.
period. All right, let's get some of the comments in here. Um, Q Sam says, bless you, Monty. No, Q Sam, bless you. Um, the Blind Swordsman says, morning, boys. Nice to see y'all again. How was your trip? It was all right. We'll talk about it at the end. I, I mean, the actual snowboarding part of it was great. Uh, until there was a weather hold. But anyway, uh, Neville93 says, good morning, guys. What a disappointing weekend for the Jazz. Yeah, we'll talk about that coming up too. One note with Cincy, the Swordsman says, they struggled against a team BYU would crush. So yeah, BYU should be more, BYU should have more of a resume than Cincy, but what do I know? They do. Yeah. You know, uh, Clint Griffith says, BYU, the tackling has got to improve. Absolutely. I would yeah. agree with it. There's a lot of fundamentals that have to improve. This is a Dak Prescott argument. Yeah, seriously. Dallas is getting torched, and Dak Prescott is in the game in the final two minutes. Mm -hmm. And people are losing their minds. I think that's HIPAA. I mean, Dak Prescott's in the game so they can feel good about their offense next week. Right? I mean, that that to me, that's the bottom line. I I want I want people to understand that football is a huge, huge mental game. It is a it it is a huge mental game, and I I'm just telling you right now that BYU missed an opportunity against Idaho State. Absolutely. Uh, Daryl says Kalani's too nice to visiting coaches. Maybe. Uh, Tanner says BYU wanted to avoid injuries. Well, did they do that? Oh wait, they didn't do that. No, that you don't avoid injuries in football. They happen. They happen. We're we're not at that time in the year anymore. Like, do, do we? We're on the same page about that, right? Like, like we're pat. This isn't week two. Right, like you're, we're in November here. We're in November, and BYU has something to play for. This isn't like, you know, hey, yeah, let's just have a nice season and get to six wins. That we're past that time in yeah. BYU history. I mean, we're we're talking about New Year's Six bowls and getting into the Big Twelve, and you know, all this great yeah. stuff. So, so you know, with all due respect, I just can't get down with, hey, we're trying to run injury prevention out there. If you were trying to run in injury prevention out there. Why was Jaron playing against Baylor? Help me. Yeah. You know? I, 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 yeah. The injury thing, and there's three, four people who mentioned it. It, 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 it's football. Football hurts. Guys get hurt no matter who they are or where they are. Playing football hurts and you're going to get hurt. Uh, BYU fan CJ, good morning to you. Says it was nice seeing who we have behind Algier, not named Katoa. No, it wasn't. No, actually, it was why, not. Why is this a thing? Why, I don't why, know why, why it was why, a thing. Help me, help BYU fan, help me understand. Why in a time, again, this is the important part, in a time when you're trying to justify getting into a New Year's Six Bowl, when you're trying to do bigger and better things in the program. When you are on the precipice of history. Why do we give a damn about the Jacob Conover of running backs? Why do we care? Like, like. Like, cool. We saw who was behind Peeney. Great. Uh, that that doesn't matter. We You got to have, against these crap teams that are not nearly on your level, you got to have 60, 70 points. You have to. That's the whole point of playing these people in, in November. Will you be saying that it was nice to see who running the back depth was when you're playing in a meaningless bowl game? Right? Like, as a BYU fan, Absolutely you, meaningless. Like, are you going – because you can't have it both ways. So, you can't say, okay, well, against Idaho State, you know, we, we definitely saw our depth, and that was great to see. And then three weeks later, be upset when you didn't get into a New Year's Six Bowl. You can't have it both ways. And so, that's why I say, yeah, neat, you have depth, but at the end of the day, 
65 points is much more valuable than seeing who the 15th string running back is on this team. How many times can you say that you scored 60 points back-to-back? How many times can you say you scored? You should have scored 70 points against Idaho State. You should have. Yeah. 59-14 to me is you missed an opportunity. And, again, I don't disagree. Um, I don't disagree that, hey, you know – it's really frustrating to me. This whole argument is I, with all due respect to Jackson McChesney and McChesney's a, a nice player. You ran for 4.3 yards a carry against Idaho state. Congratulations. Sorry folks. That's what it is. Congratulations. I would rather not have ever seen Jackson McChesney, McChesney play and had Tyler Algier run for 250, 300 yards and go to a New Year's Six Bowl and then do it, you know, like do that again in two weeks against Georgia Southern in a uniform I cannot stand, all white and royal with, a, you know, a royal helmet with all white, huge mistake, but that's just me. Um, go out there and do it again and score 70 against Georgia Southern and then go to SC and win another game and go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Be a top 10 ranked team. Because that's really, that's the, the thing. Like, when's the last time BYU finished the season? A full season ranked in the top 10. Couldn't tell you. When's the last time that BYU had national respect across the board? That's what you're playing for. And nobody seems to care. I I, I feel like BYU fan is, has, you know, Largely been like, yeah, the season's over. This was a nice season. Hey, way to go, fellas. Way to go. <laughs> Neat. Okay, can I get my Big 12 t-shirt now? <laughs> like, that's what I feel like we're, we're, where BYU fan is at. And it's incredibly disappointing. It's incredibly disappointing. I just don't, I, I don't know why, why it just doesn't, why it doesn't matter more. I don't know why it doesn't matter more. Um, wow. Comment dump. Mind Axiom says, I think the game in Vegas, it set the record was full of BYU fans also made the Cougs more intriguing to the committee. Okay. Okay. That was two months ago against Arizona. Who's turned out by the way, to be very, not much good. <laughs> um, Daryl says, who's better since he in 21 or, uh, no, no, I'm not going to say that name, Daryl. I'm not doing it. I will never say the two C word ever again on the show. Never. And it's the two C word on anyway, since he would, uh, BYU fan CJ says since he would get beat by any of the top 15, they aren't great. And, and did the Boise model, they lose against SMU or a playoff team. Maybe, um, Daryl says, Hey, it was senior day. Um, you know, <laughs> CJ says, senior day. BYU fan CJ says, ha ha, Utah had a better season. The only reason they see the roses is because of the Pac-12. Yep. But that's the formula. The only reason. Yeah. They're in the Pac-12, dude. What do you they mean? They haven't the only lost. Uh, they, do, do you understand? They haven't lost a thing, Utah. They haven't lost a thing. They have run through their schedule. Won every game they needed to win. Would have been nice to beat Oregon State. I agree. But who cares? 
Like, like you can't dis. They're going likely going to the Rose Bowl. How do you discount that in any way, shape, or form? And this is that this is the Greg Rubel tweet over the weekend. Like, this is what I don't understand about BYU fan. How do you find the nerve to discount a Rose Bowl? How do you have the balls to do that? I don't understand that at all. I don't get it. It's the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Who cares how you got there? (laughs) You got there. You're in the Rose Bowl. So explain to me how that's at all a bad thing. And by the way, with the adversity that Utah has faced, yeah, they've had a phenomenal season. And I could make the argument that their story and the way that they've won, yeah, I could argue, especially if BYU loses to SC, I could argue that that Utah's had a better season. If they go to the Rose Bowl, if they win the Rose Bowl, come on. What do, what do we, are we even having this conversation? Are you serious? If if Utah goes to the Rose Bowl, and especially if they win the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. and you wind up in the Freedom Bank Predatory Loan Bowl, <laughs> you know, in, in Poughkeepsie, you really feel like you – and you're still going to sit here and discount the Rose Bowl. Yeah, let's, when, go ahead, let's go ahead and play the third string running back against Idaho State. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's Sorry, man. I, I just don't – I don't see any reason why, A, you would discount the Rose Bowl or, B, you would discount Utah's season. Greg Rubel treating, tweeting about the attendance at the, the Stanford game is purely Bush League. And I love Greg. I, uh, I have a lot of respect for Greg. Why? Why? And I've never bought into the narrative that BYU obsesses over Utah like – obsesses over Utah. But how can it be anything when your your play-by-play guy is tweeting about how, you know, he said something to the effect of, oh, hey, two P5 teams played in front of 20,000 fans where, you know, you know BYU and an FCS team are going to sell out. Well, as you just properly pointed out, it's senior day. Like, are we really, are you really tweeting negatively, Greg Rubel, about Utah? Like that, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't get that. What well, if you're BYU, Utah should not even exist right now. Yeah, because you're in position to play in a New Year's Six it's, Bowl. Listen, it's classic little brother mindset. Right? I I just it, don't hey, understand. We're, we're, it. we're having all this success, Big Twelve. We're having a great season. Like everything's awesome, but we need to tweet about Utah versus Stanford. BYU fan CJ says, because Algier is leaving and we thought we had him another year. So, yes, I wanted to see. No. No. So, wait, let me get this right. Let me get this right. So, we're here worried about next year now all of a sudden. Now it's like, oh, now we got to look at next. So, the season's over. What are you talking about? Yeah. What are we doing right now? Like, Do you want to play in a New Year's Six Bowl or not? Did you did you get into the Big 12 so we could all have t-shirts that have the Big 12 logo on them? What are we talking about right now? Are you serious? Are you serious? So you I this is the BYU fan I don't understand. Yeah. It's this mentality where it's like, "Eh, we're fine." Eh. You you so you don't value playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. 
Uh, this I don't understand this. It would be different if you were uh, uh, a one-win team and you were having some atrocious season. Okay, yeah, play your third-string guy. Cool. You're not, dude. Who you're cares not. about Jackson McChesney? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I want Tyler Algier to run for 300 yards against Georgia Southern. Yeah. Rack it up. I want 70 points. I want merciless football in two weeks. What what are we even talking about? I, I don't understand it. Jeremy Bolton says, eh, I don't. And there was a comment dump, so let me go back. Um, Good morning, fellas. No saltiness from me this week. And I don't think scoring another one or two touchdowns more would have mattered. All it, it wouldn't have. Okay, so you're a guy that is an AP voter, and you're in, I don't know, pick your East Coast city. Boston. Boston. You're in Boston. And you're looking at the ticker because there's not a chance in the world you watched BYU and Idaho State. There's not a chance in the world. You didn't watch BYU in their biggest best game. Maybe you saw some of the Virginia game. Maybe. I highly doubt it. You're watching the ticker. Or you're watching the Saturday night wrap-up show right before you submit your ballot, which is what just about every AP voter I know personally does. And I know a ton of AP voters. They all watch the wrap-up show. And you're telling me that seeing BYU 72 to 14, Tyler Algier runs for 310 yards. You don't think that would have made a difference to an AP voter Video who does not. numbers. Yeah, who does not watch BYU football, who does not even know who Jaron Hall is. Has never heard Jaron Hall's name. You're telling me you really, you don't think that, I, I, if that's how you really feel, I just think you don't know how football works. Like, that would be shocking to me. It, shocking. Now, thank God they're not going to know that you came out in the third quarter and did absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, nothing. You you played, oh, thank God Jackson McChesney got to play. All right. No, not all right. Not all right. You didn't get a first down against Idaho State. Why are we? Well, I don't understand this at all. Like, I am in shock this morning over this. That there's not a BYU fan in the world who's like, yeah, I would have loved to have scored 70 points on Idaho State. I would rather be 14 instead of 15 in the AP poll. I'd rather be 10th instead of 12th when the college football playoff ranking comes out. I. It's shocking. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. I, like, do you not think that style points matter at all? Is that what you're saying, Jeremy Bolton? You don't think style points, stylistically, you don't think this would have mattered it. And I like this is surprising to me. Anyway, CJ says we don't move up five spots if it if it meant nothing. What do you mean you don't yeah, move do you up mean? five spots? You don't need five spots. You you don't you need one guy. Do you guys not know how this works? You need one guy. One guy on a playoff committee. You need one guy for a New Year six who's like, yeah, but I, you know, man, even in a week where, you know, it was Idaho State and they could have easily played their depth. You know, BYU, you know, they look like they scored 70 points against Idaho State. And at that point, you're sitting around a table looking at box scores. 
And you're sitting and you're like, yeah, well, I mean, Algier ran for 300 yards against Idaho State. And it might have been Idaho State, but did you guys see what he did against Utah XYZ? Like, yeah, they've heard of Algier. We're resume, we're, we're resume building. We're resume building. How do you not see this? Like, the way that this game is played is all about your resume. So when I say that <clears> – hi, <throat> I almost died <laughs> – when I say that the SC game is meaningful, it's the only, it might be the only game that matters on your schedule at this point. If you're unwilling to do what needs to be done against Idaho State and Georgia Southern, if you're unwilling to you know curb stop people because that's what you need to be doing, you're an independent, you're BYU, nobody watches your games. Remember that narrative, right? Cold-blooded, clean, methodical, and thorough. How many, how many AP voters are going to watch – BYU and Georgia Southern. Three, maybe? Two? How many people are going to watch the wrap-up show and see what you did? Most of them. There's going to be a BYU highlight package on on, on the college football wrap-up on ESPN. It's going to happen. Sports Center. You know, like, what are we talking about? Uh, this is surprising to me. Yeah. Um, Spencer Morgan says, hi guys, is the BYU talk over you, over yet? The Idaho state win is a huge story. It is. Um, Tanner Plummer says, Greg Rubel is the biggest homer in the world. I can't stand it. Why is Greg Rubel tweeting about Utah? Like, it, I don't get that. The guy's a legend, but I just was really surprised by that. I know? was, I was as well. I was, I was really, really surprised, surprised by that. I just, cause I just don't think, you know, whether you're Greg Rubel or, or you're Kalani Sataki or you're Tyler Algier, no matter who you are you know, in the BYU community, there's just no reason to be tweeting about Utah. It doesn't matter. Like, it's not yeah. – it, it's over. You're you're past that, like five weeks past that. I'm warning you right now that, that Utah is a is is having a storybook-type season. Yeah, and it's because of the adversity they faced, not because they played some amazing schedule. And it, I feel like I'm the only one that, that's been saying it all year. You had everything to play for. Who cares what happened early in the season? Who cares what happened before that quitter left the team? Now that that you have the right guy at your at starting quarterback, you're getting incredible, incredible play out of Devin Lloyd. I mean, you're you're getting you finally have your your offense set up around one of the better backs in the country now. Thanks. I mean, you're doing what needs to be done. Yes. And you're gonna go to the Rose Bowl in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. And you're probably gonna ha you're probably gonna have a real good shot to win the Rose Bowl. Like, come on, let's go! Like Utah's having a storybook is, season. You guys realize this is 2019 all over again, right? You're heading towards a a Pac-12 championship game with Oregon, who you lost to in 2019. So how fitting would it be that you had all this adversity? You had people putting yeah. wits head on a chopping block. You had all this stuff happening, and now all of a sudden you're going to play Oregon again for the Pac-12 championship, and you're going to you're probably going to beat them this year. Honestly, with the caliber of football Utah is playing right now, I'm right well, now. Well, even here if you today, don't beat them, you're you're probably going to end up in the Rose Bowl, man. Like, but I'm just saying it would be a fitting end to this season and what's happened to win the Pac-12 outright. That would be yeah, and a to end and end. to end Oregon's shot at the college football yes. playoff. Yes, after Come on. after in 2019, Oregon did the same thing to you. Because let's not forget, Utah would have been in the in the what I call the Final Four, the college football playoff, had they beat Oregon. But and by didn't. the way, it's Oregon. How many times have you gone to Austin to die? 
How yes. many how many footballs were dropped at the one yard line on the way into the end zone against Oregon? Like, yes, there's a lot here. It's Oregon. Like you're building towards. I, I don't I, know. Maybe people just aren't paying attention. Maybe 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 BYU fan is just like checked out right now. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's weird to me. Yeah, I just think that it is it is very interesting to me that Utah is where they are and BYU is I, I feel like BYU fan has taken their foot off the gas. I really yeah. do. I feel like you had a you had a a a, a good not great season and you're going to be, no matter how this season ends, I feel like BYU fan is going to be like, yeah, this is a great season. Woo! Like we beat Utah. Your season's not defined by beating Utah. So, and maybe it's because BYU hasn't beaten Utah in over a decade. Maybe that's what this is. I don't know. Your season's not defined by beating Utah. I got news for you. If you believe that you had a good season because you beat Utah, it is truly little brother syndrome. Yeah. And it is, it's terrible. It's detestable. Because BYU deserves – BYU football has had a good, not great season. And you've got two games left. And then your bowl game. Yeah. And all all these next two games are critical football games for you. And if you're taking your foot off the gas because it's Georgia Southern, you don't belong in the college football playoff. You don't mm-hmm. belong in – or excuse me, you don't belong in the in a New Year's Six Bowl. You belong in the pool and we got to be a killer, man. If like, that's your mentality. Yeah. I, I don't care about the fifth string running back. Why Why do you have Tyler Ogier on the roster if you're not going to abuse a team like Idaho State? Yeah, I don't I don't know. You know, it is. You know, I, I think. Yeah. Anyway, Jordan Huey says um, more style points would have been good. I think Kalani didn't want to risk any injuries to starters. Remember Taysom going for style points against Utah State. Yeah. Injuries happen, man. You're, you're, when you want to talk about depth, depth is only in place because you have injuries. Yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. Say Algier Hall gets hurt late in the third quarter. Well, that happens in football. Who would be surprised with Jaron Hall getting hurt? Jaron Hall is gets hurt. Is that not who Jaron Hall is? Yeah. BYU up 72-7. How, how well do you think that goes over? It's not a matter of what goes over well. What like you're trying to justify anyway. Why do Horatio we... Hornblower says the committee won't take time to see halftime scores of forty two to seven? No, they will not. No. No, they no, will not. No, they won't. So they don't look at halftime scores. Why do we man? give a damn what Idaho State thinks about being down seventy two to seven? What are we talking about? Do you think committees look at halftime scores? Not when they don't watch games. You you're acting like people on this is it's the same thing with the, the the March Madness tournament. Do you really think they watch games? They look at resumes. They're hiring somebody, and they look at BYU. BYU's resume is, hey, if we put them in a big bowl game, we'll get 2 million TV viewers. Yes. Hey, if we put them in a big bowl game, we're going to probably get 60,000 BYU fans out. Hey, okay, well, let's look at their resume on the field. Oh, well, they were up 42 to seven and a half and then didn't do anything in the third quarter because you better hope they don't look at the halftime box because what did BYU do in the third quarter with good old Jackson McChesney on the field? Nothing. They did nothing. Not a thing. Because you had your your 1B quarterback, you know, one Jared Hall's one. You had your 1A on the field. Well, call him what you want. Your 1A with no talent. No offensive line, no wide receivers, no Which running backs. Which is more perplexing. 
Why? Why? Are you trying to get to a New Year's Six Bowl or are you not? Because to me, it doesn't look like you want to go. Doesn't To me, it doesn't look like that. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, Jordan Huey, that never happened against USU. Yeah, I don't think that that and I, I'm not I'm trying not to be argumentative because I'm I'm kind of annoyed right now that nobody seems to care. Like I really don't think anybody cares if BYU goes to a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't think there's a BYU fan in here this morning that cares if they go or not. And it's shocking to me. Yeah. Shocking to me that you don't care if you go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Pool and weed eater bowl or you know, pick a New Year's Six Bowl. How, hello? I, I'm, I'm amazed. By, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here amazed by this. Utah fan is selling out to go to the Rose Bowl. Every Utah fan I know is like, going to the Rose Bowl, going to the Rose Bowl, going to the Rose Bowl. Can't wait to beat Oregon. Going to the Rose Bowl. And BYU fans like, yeah, it's Idaho State. Give me Christy Van Dinkelmeyer at running back. Like, what? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Um, I, Greg's tweet was uh, okay. So now the argument is Greg Rebell's tweet was about Stanford. You're okay. So here's the problem rocker. with that. Stanford never has fans that show up. Stanford is not is nothing more than a basketball and educational institute that plays other sports. That. That's it. I covered that team for a long time. Nobody cares about – there is not a passionate fan base about Stanford football. Nobody's given given a damn about Stanford never, since yeah. Bryce Love happened. I And I kid you not, not. No, Bryce – like, never. Nobody cared about Bryce Love. Like, do you guys not understand? I And I am not exaggerating or, or being sarcastic. Saturdays at Stanford are spent in the lab. I mean, like the chemistry lab. They're spent at study hall. They're spent in the library. They're spent, they're spent test prepping. You, you go to Stanford, do you understand how difficult it is to be a student at Stanford when you don't play sports? They're not going to football games. They're not there to go to football games. That's why you get 24,000 fans. So Greg Rubel is now taking a shot at Stanford? Why would Greg Rubel be tweeting about Stanford? Greg's not tweeting about Stanford. He's taking a shot at Utah in the Pac-12. That's what he's doing. And I don't understand it. I've never thought of Greg Rebell as anything but classy. This was a petty tweet. I love Greg Rebell. I respect Greg Rebell. I am shocked that he would tweet that. It's just like there's no reason. There's no reason whatsoever. Dax Johnson, good morning to you, Dax, says uh, Greg's always – uh, always tweets about college football games going on. Utah was the only notable game going on that night. Not that big of a deal. Yeah, maybe I'm making too much of it. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Giggity, what's up? Since he uh, has not blown out their last three cupcakes and have exposed themselves. If they are blowout wins, then they're still intrigued. I, I well, I, I, plus Cincinnati drives me crazy. UTSA. Why is UTSA even in this conversation? How? Like, what has UTSA done that's, like, mind-blowing? But this is a team that's top 20? This is a team you think belongs in – like, I'm amazed by it. 
How how do we not? Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, Mind Axiom says, I love listening to you guys. It was a long weekend. Welcome back. Thank you. Jordan Huey says, I don't think that we don't care. We do. I, I think we know that the committee will figure out a way to keep us out. <laughs> All right, let's talk jazz because I can't. I can't. I can't. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. Bro. We're not a victim this morning. We're not. We No. Hi. Let's talk Utah jazz basketball. Dude. Please let this go better. Um, the Jazz lose back-to-back in Miami and in Orlando, and the season's over. Quinn Snyder was fired after the game last night. Um, and the team is once again up for sale. <laughs> Your thoughts? Wow. Wow. How about, how about we do this? Because that was a very, that was a very serious, <laughs> very contentious BYU conversation. I just want to play this Cole Anthony interview after the game. <laughs> And then, you know, just we'll start. There. All right. Okay. So Orlando, you lose backs back in Miami and Orlando. Anybody that, as you said to me the other night, anybody that watches this team is not surprised by these two losses. Um, it's not surprising at all. Uh, 118-115 in Miami, 107-100 in Orlando. Cole Anthony is a spectacular postgame interview, if you have not heard it. So here is the star of the Orlando Magic postgame. David, I've been looking forward to one of these in person for Facts. quite some time, right? Facts. Come on, Cole. Down by 10 in the fourth quarter. Facts. What, what did you we guys fought. do Facts. to come back and win this game? We fought, man. Shout out to the team, man. Shout out to RJ. Shout out to Dell. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. Shout out to my whole team, man. You know we had to go get that dub, man. Shout out to the Magic, man. Let's go. Mo Bamba. <laughs> come on. Shout to Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. <laughs> that was the highlight of that game. Bro. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, I'm not at all worried about the Jazz. These two losses, who cares? Come home. Feel better about yourself. Sleep in your own bed last night. And let's get back to playing Jazz basketball. I think there are a lot of Jazz fans that want to panic over these losses. But are you really, as a Jazz fan, surprised by this at all? As somebody who watches every, pretty much every minute of every game, I am not surprised by these losses at all. Um, you have you have a situation, um, especially in Miami the other night, you just couldn't defend. They, it, Jimmy Butler was in the paint all night long. I'd remind you, Jimmy Butler scored, what, 27 points? And how many threes did he hit in that game, Jake? Zero. Not one. Facts. So, yeah, facts. Thanks, Cole. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm not – I, what I'm saying is this is exactly who the Jazz have been all season. And really, for the last three seasons, they struggle to defend. Um, they cannot keep guys in front of them. And and I love that you guys tweeted me about um, Royce O'Neal. And, oh, man, 15 points a game. Royce, you're an idiot. Uh, well, well, Royce is also a lockdown defender that got blown up the last two games. So, you know, it's great that Royce O'Neal scored 15 points and you lost. And this is the Rudy conversation on Twitter last night. Mm -hmm. Jump shot. Okay, they lost. Shout to Mo Bamba. Like, these are the issues with this Jazz team. Are the, no, are the same issues that continue to haunt this team and will haunt this team until you trade guys like Joe Ingles. Yeah. You have to get more athletic on the wings. There's, there's just no way around that anymore. There's no, there's no explaining it away. Um... You know, you you lost to a team 
um, in the Orlando Magic, who have the second worst record in the Eastern Conference. They are now three and eight, thanks to the Jazz, because they were two and eight, and now they won, and they're now three and eight. And it's amazing to me that when we look at this Jazz team and we really try to get into, hey, here's why you're losing. When the Jazz lose, two things generally happen. Rudy Gobert has a big night because the only way the Jazz really lose is to shoot poorly from three. And you give up points in the paint. And you get dribble penetration out of guards. And you don't have an answer for that at this point. Yeah. And then I, I rewind a little bit further, Jake, to, to Miami the other night. Mm-hmm. And Rudy's on the bench for long stretches of that game. And something notable, if you were watching that game, you may have noticed this. Rudy looked pretty pissed at the end of the game. I mean, was I the only one who noticed that he was sitting on the bench, like, like stewing, steaming, looking really upset? Like, I'm not saying that, that he he's causing issues for the team, but it just looked like in that no. moment he expected to be in the game. And and, and I think that I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just think that he shows flashes of having – a little jumper here, a little jumper there, but it's not consistent enough to be to be a difference maker, you know? But we also know that Bam Adebayo is, you know, pretty much the kryptonite kind of player. Him and, you know, I look at that style of center, a guy that's got a pull-up, mm-hmm. um, and I, I look at Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's a problem for everybody. Write that one off. Moba or, or Mobamba. Shout out uh, to Mobamba. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Bam out of Bayou. And by the way, I don't know why the Jazz broadcasters can't say his name right. Did you notice that the other yeah, night? Yeah, dude. Um, on, on, on radio and on TV. At a Bidayo. Like, I swear, Bowler said, Ado uh, Bidet. What the f*** is that guy? <laughs> but my point is, I don't – I just – Think that these losses are, A, they're not that big of a deal. Who cares? They're not. You've got the second best record in the West. Who cares? Like, you're coming off of a stretch of games where you should be tired because you've traveled and you were home for two days or whatever it was, and you've played a lot of games in a short window. I think they were saying it's like seven seven games. In nine days. Yeah, I mean, it's Seven games in nine days. And by the way, that's not going to change. Yeah. That's not going to change with the way the NBA works now. I mean, you look at what you have coming up. And, you know, I think the thing that should worry you if you're a Jazz fan is you've lost three games the exact same way. You got out-athleted. Because you're better than the Bulls, you're better than the Heat, and you're certainly better than Orlando. But those teams are beating you because you you cannot stop them. Mm -hmm. And you're this vaunted defensive team, and you're happy to beat teams like Atlanta, Sacramento, you know, but when you look at teams that have quality wing players, guys like Cole Anthony. Yeah. You know, you, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero. That's not an accident, by the way. Like David Locke the other night was talking about how, oh, man, this is a miracle. You don't see this out of Tyler Hero. Well, yeah, you do. Tyler Hero's having a great year. And Tyler Hero, what did you say about Tyler Hero the other night when he was missing free throws? Yeah, that he's missing the clutch gene. He it's it's something that he's he's struggled with since I've known him. You know, but he can he can light you up. He'll light you up in the middle of the for game for three and a half quarters. He'll light your ass up, but then he'll miss the big free throw or he'll miss the the game winner or whatever. 
you're going to have Atlanta come come in tomorrow night and you're going to crush Atlanta. You're going to you're going to you should probably be able to beat Indiana and then Saturday, I wonder what it's going to be like cuz by the way, Saturday I think is an afternoon game. Mm-hmm. I think you play like two o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday against the Miami Heat. Mm. And I'm just curious. Did you what, learn your lessons? What's that going to look like? So it, it, it at these two losses in the grand scheme of things, if this is where it ends and you go on to win ten straight, who cares? The only the only thing I'll say out of these two losses that I think was notable is that this dynamic of the Jazz resting Mike Conley, which I do agree with, as I've said many times, you need to rest Mike. You got to keep him healthy. That has to be priority number one. But this dynamic in the games, like last night, where you're resting Mike Conley and Joe Ingles is going to play a ton more minutes because of that. Joe looks gassed. He looks tired. He looks gassed. And and I'm not – I don't want to hear from, what is it, James or whoever, all the Joe Ingles guys out there. I I don't want to see your comments about how I'm saying that Joe Ingles sucks. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that every NBA player has a shelf life. Every NBA player gets to a point in their career where their age is catching up to them. And and it is just the nature of the beast. And I feel like that's what's happening to Joe right now. We're seeing some uncharacteristic turnovers. We're seeing some bad missed shots, although he is making some shots. So like Well, the turnover thing I think is the is the best indicator because Joe Ingles is a wildly intelligent basketball player. And he plays, he fills a role on this team. I mean, you can see where when they're struggling and Quinn knows they need to knock down a couple of threes. He's going to bring Joe Ingles in. They're going to run sets where Joe stands at the elbow and knocks down threes. He hasn't been able to do that the last couple of nights. And the cross-court passes and, you know, you know, you know, just dribbling a ball off his foot. Like, you can see that Joe Ingles is tired. And, I mean, they've had a tough stretch of games. But when you look at what this team can do to improve on their current situation – I like Boyan Bogdanovich, but there's something not right there. Something. You know, I look at I like I can say this team has played a quarter of its best basketball. Like we have not seen the best of the Jazz, not even close. Well, okay, Donovan's not particularly shot the ball well, although on this trip I thought he really stepped up, had some big moments. Like mm-hmm. you can see Don becoming Don again. Even with the ankle injury, okay, cool. But you can see Don becoming Don again. I don't see Bogey becoming Bogey. And the thing that really scares you is without Mike Conley, like where's Jared Butler? Where where it like that's starting to become a problem. Yeah, dude. Cuz he's not playing. He took a DMP last night. Like he is not playing. And I you, it's Jared Butler or Trent Forrest. One of those two guys needs to start playing a volume of minutes. Yeah. Consistently. I mean, we've seen this movie before, friends. You're going to have an injury, and then you're going to say, okay, Trent, let's go, buddy. And then you're going to get mad at him when he's not able because he hasn't had minutes. I'm telling you now, you got to load manage, and you got to play the young guys a little more. And I know that Quinn Snyder hates doing that, but somebody's got to tell Quinn, we need to play the young guys more. And I don't know how you go about doing that, but – that's that's absolutely like, got to happen. How do how are, how are the Jazz not playing young guys against Orlando? That's one of the worst teams in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like it's it, you're at the end of a road trip. Yeah, your guys are tired. Why wouldn't you give Trent? And I mean, I know Trent played some uh, good minutes in this game, but you you get my point. Like, why wouldn't you play 
you know, Jared, more minutes. Like, why? Like, it just, I don't know. To me, that was an opportunity. I, and I don't think we've ever been here with the Jazz in the last three years where you can see now that a significant role player on this team is going to get moved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know. I see a lot of people talking about Jordan Clarkson. You know, it, Twitter was a, a, a blaze last night because he was just deplorable again. I, do you trade Jordan Clarkson? I, no. I probably would not do that. I mean, it, it, Jordan's going to break out of this. Jordan has saved you in postseason games. You're not trading Jordan. I, he's going to get out of this. Yeah. It's guys like Bogey and guys like Joe. Those are the kind of guys you're going to have to move. I could see Royce being in the mix as well. You have – I well. Yeah, I mean, it's Royce. What do I say about Royce O'Neal? I, I, I continue to be amazed that people are like, oh, six steals and 15 points in Miami, and you lost. And you lost. Like – and it's the hard thing. It's the hard pill to swallow. Who on this Jazz roster right now is a championship caliber player? Well, there's two that come to mind. It's clearly Mike Conley and clearly Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Can you really say that that Rudy Gobert is a reason you're going to win a championship? Well, defensively, sure you can. But you're not a good defensive team with him on the floor. He is an elite defensive player. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that you can't keep anybody out of the paint, and he's only capable of doing so much. And that's why you need to trade Joe Ingles, and that's why you need to trade Royce O'Neal. You have got to find a, a wing player who can defend the other team's best player. Not even joking. All jokes aside, that's why Terrence Mann is so valuable to the Clippers, because he can play individual defense. He had one. He's had one huge moment in his career, yeah. which was that game. But consistently, for those of you who are basketball nerds, you know that guy, the young guy like a Terrence Mann, like a Jared Butler, that's what you need them to do. It's not so much that you need yeah. them scoring 25 a night. You need them playing defense for you. The Butler thing is a, is a head scratcher. I mean, yeah, I don't get it. You moved up to get him, and now you're not playing him. I don't get it. Well, you moved back to get him. And, I, I mean, he was a steal. But why is he not getting – I mean, just no minutes at all? Like, I, Joe Ingles is gassed. Play Jared Butler for a few minutes instead of Joe Ingles. Let Joe play, you know, if you were going to, if Joe's playing 15 minutes, play him 10 minutes and give those five minutes to, to Jared Butler. Because no matter what you want to say about Jared's offensive game, and he has struggled, the guy competes defensively. Mm -hmm. The guy can play in the NBA. And especially on a defensive end. He will come around offensively. He looks like a scared cat and... He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. But if you're going to lose games like this, get something out of it. Like, I mean, you got to get something. You It cannot continue to be Don and everybody else. Because we're seeing, again, that when the Jazz yeah. struggle, it turns into Don and everybody else. Especially when Mike is resting on the, the second or the first or second end of a back-to-back. -back. You know, Tony Jones nailed that in the preseason. They're not going to play Mike Conley on back-to-backs. No. And the problem is when you play him in the front half and you lose. Because without without Mike Conley, there's just way too much Joe Ingles. And you need Joe. If you're going to have Joe on this team, you need him to be rested and able to, to make threes. Yeah. It's that simple. A couple of comments on that. Uh, Gabe Levy says, morning, boys. Hope shredding gnar on the slopes was lit. Shredding gnar. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, dude. Uh, Paul Coleman says, I agree with you about the score. I think it was helpful to play Romney. Yeah, hey. Cool, man. I, I, you know, 
I think Baylor Romney is your best quarterback. Jordan McDonald says a jazz loss might push the front office to make a trade. I like JC, but he needs to go. Jordan Clarkson's. I don't think he's going anywhere. But then again, I mean, what player that you're willing to give up has the most value? You know, but if Jordan Clarkson's not giving you points off the bench, who is? Excellent point. That's a big question, too. Uh, I'm pissed that Butler hasn't played. Quinn is screwing him. Definitely should have played against Orlando. Yeah. Quinn, uh, Spencer Morgan, Quinn's decision to rely on heavy minutes from Ingles instead of de developing Butler is crazy. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, there's no way that Ingles with his one spot up three and 20 minutes of play and getting best and getting beat defensively is a better option than Butler. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Uh, Angry Ashley says, Laker fan here, sign Isaiah Thomas and trade away slow Joe. I don't, I, uh, I don't think Isaiah Thomas is what this team needs. I don't think he fits. Needs. Yeah, that's. I don't, but that's just me. You know, I, I, I think it, you've got it. You've got to get better. Yeah. And it's tough to make a trade in November because you don't know who's available. You know what I mean? Once you get past the first of the year, once you're you're heading towards the, you know, the the home stretch in the first half of the season. Yeah. Now you're starting to hear rumors about this guy or that guy or mm -hmm. you know, how long are the Lakers going to stand pat? Like, you know, like uh, you know, like you need somebody you know that you need that that guy that can defend and shoot a three. You need the, you know, the last couple of champions. You need a PJ Tucker type. You need a, you know, you look at um, Drew Holiday. Well, Drew Holiday. I mean, I know uh, he's a signature player, but you know, that's I what mean, I I just think you look at, you know, you you need a Mikhail Bridges type. You need, you know, like you you need a Cantavius Caldwell Pope is a great example of of winning a championship for the Lakers. You need a Cantavius Caldwell Pope because he gives you that opportunity. Yeah. You know, because he's a good defender. It, you, you're like, it, that's the guy on this team that you're missing. Mm -hmm. Hey, go stop that guy. Go keep that guy out of the paint. Go shut down Cole Anthony. That's what you need. You know, you need that. You need that guy. You need the Iman Shumpert guy who's not going to take a ton of shots. But he'll make the shots he gets. And he stops the guy defensively because you have the guys to score on this team. Yeah. The Jazz don't need somebody that can come in and shoot a bunch and score it. They don't need that. You're talking about a J.R. Smith type player, a great defender who can get hot. If you think about the, the champions on this team and you or in this league recently, and you think about, you know, the, the guys that really make that difference. You know, those are the those are the guys that are hard to find. In the, uh, he's on the Suns, used to play for the Jazz, and why can't I think of his name? Oh, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, thank you. Yeah. You need Jay Crowder. Yeah. That's the guy you need on this team. Yeah. So, all right, real quick, let's get to Aaron Rodgers. Oh, hell. Because yeah, I think you really need <laughs> yeah. – you. this is a huge story. Now, I know we missed Aaron Rodgers because we were shredding that Nar pal. Nar brah. This story is unbelievable. I want to play the Aaron Rodgers bite first. Because by now you know that he tested positive. He was never vaccinated. He lied straight away. Here's Aaron Rodgers talking about it. Aaron, you said you like to learn as many things as you can and hang in any conversation. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. Okay, so that was several months ago. Okay, That was in fall camp. Yes. Yeah, he was there. Are you vaccinated? Mm-hmm. 
Listen to the question. I'm going to play it again. Listen to the question and listen to the question and listen to Aaron Rodgers say yeah. Aaron, you said you like to learn as many things as you can and hang in any conversation. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance? Yeah. Which means, yes, I'm vaccinated. Yeah, I'm immunized. Yeah, I've been immunized. So you're, so you said yes. Well, then you tested positive last week. And then you had this, is the, you know, I don't know what you're going to play here. Yeah, and me. then he goes on the Pat McAfee okay, show. Okay, so then he goes yeah. on the Pat McAfee show. Yes. And Pat McAfee, if you didn't see the clip on my Twitter, Pat McAfee laughs at who's very close with Aaron Rodgers, mm -hmm. is covering his mouth because he's trying not to laugh at Aaron Rodgers here. I'm 40 hour, 48 hours in, and I consulted with a now good friend of mine, Joe Rogan, after he got COVID, and I've been doing a lot of the stuff that he recommended in his podcasts and, you know, on the phone to me. So wait, you're taking advice from Joe Rogan. It, it, this is amazing. Look, I listen to Joe Rogan's show every day. I would never take Joe Rogan's advice. And I don't I, I don't know a medical professional who agrees with what Joe Rogan talks about. For Aaron Rodgers to take ivermectin and for Aaron Rodgers to believe that, and, and basically what Aaron Rodgers is saying is, I worked on my own immunity to strengthen my own natural immunity to prevent against COVID. Well, Aaron is just the latest example of, hey, that doesn't work, right? And then to go on Pat McAfee's show and say, well, I've been consulting Joe Rogan on my treatment. Mm -hmm. You didn't go to a doctor? You're not talking to the Packers medical staff? You consulted Joe Rogan. Do you understand how crazy this is? You are essentially handed world-class medical staff at your beck and call 24 hours a day as a starting quarterback in the NFL. As an NFL player, 24 hours a day. And you called Joe Rogan. Do you understand how crazy this is? And the bigger issue here in the NFL is Aaron Rodgers said, well, I've been doing everything. I followed COVID protocols to a T for an unvaccinated player. Except the ones I don't agree with, which includes wearing a mask to press conferences. So you're just exposing everybody in that room. Yeah. Because you don't agree with it. Oh, but I'm, I'm immunized. Well, it turns out you weren't vaccinated either which essentially are the same thing, by the way. Yeah. You're not vaccinated. You claim to have followed the protocols to a T, except the ones you don't like or agree with, and that meant you didn't wear a mask in the facility. So what are you going to do with Aaron Rodgers? Like, does the NFL suspend Aaron Rodgers? I highly doubt it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, he's not facing suspension. I, I They're doing... They're looking into, you know, what protocols were broken and things like that. So there's probably going to be some fines handed out. But I, it just kind of feels like, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been allowed to do whatever the hell he wants. 
and there might be a slap on the wrist, but other than that, it's fine. And he's going to have to quarantine, obviously. It, it's, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. And the shocking part is the NFL knew he was unvaccinated. The Packers knew he was unvaccinated. And they let him get away with it. Yeah. They did not enforce COVID protocols. The NFL did not. The Packers certainly did not. And it's just like no big deal. And my biggest thing for, for my biggest question, if I was, you know, to ask Aaron Rodgers something would be, what incentivized you to to lie to the media? Because that's what he did, right? I mean, you said, "Hey, I'm immunized." You said, "No." He yes. was asked, "Are you vaccinated?" He said, "Yeah, I've been immunized." Like, play the clip again. He was specifically asked, "Are you vaccinated?" He said, "Yeah, I've been immunized." Aaron, you said you like to learn as many things as you can and hang in any conversation. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance? Yeah, I've been immunized. So you lied. Yeah, I've been immunized. Like, and it makes no sense. What incentive did he have to do that? And the funny thing is, like Boyd Lake says, Rogers consulted Rogan after contracting COVID. No, he did not. Aaron Rodgers and Joe Rogan are very close friends. And they've talked about, you should go and listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. He's talked about it. They've been talking about this for months. Four months. And it really, their conversations, as I understand it, heated up once Joe Rogan got COVID. Yeah, because let's not forget, Joe Rogan did the whole ivermectin thing, and he went through all of that. And that was a huge, huge, huge story on, on this show. We specifically talked about it. So, And to the point... Where And people think Spotify leaned on him because Joe Rogan, I think, is $10 million a year at Spotify. Yeah, something like that. That Joe Rogan came out and said, hey, this is just what I'm doing. I'm not advocating for anybody to do anything. Like, don't take my advice. I'm not. He said, I'm not a medical professional. But yet you're consulting Aaron Rodgers, who's one of your friends. Like, and by the way, what does the state of Hawaii have to say about this? Because... Aaron Rodgers essentially spends his entire life outside of Green Bay in Hawaii. Yeah, I've been immunized. And now Aaron Rodgers, like, it, this. why is COVID like this in our country? I am amazed by it. Yeah, I don't get it, dude. I am amazed by it. I, I just can't even, I cannot even begin to fathom the, the misinformation. I, I And by the way, it should be said that Aaron Rodgers claims that he is allergic to ingredients in the vaccines, but won't tell anybody what those ingredients are and how he knows he's allergic to them. Mm -hmm. He won't talk about it. Well, because that's HIPAA. Right, of course. I think that's you know. HIPAA. I'm just worn out on this. Like, I am truly worn out. I, I, I am so done with it. I'm over this. Like, I just can't. I, emotionally, I just, I can't do it. It get, I, I, I'm so frustrated that because we just don't care about the person standing next to us. Mm -hmm. You know, like we went and played basketball yesterday and I was thinking the entire time, Hey, you know, like I'm, <clears throat> and I don't think anybody noticed, but like, I'm not standing around anybody. Like when, when it was dead ball, I'm not standing next to my guy. You know, like in uh, Jake and I try to play on the opposite team. 
so we can defend each other. Because I don't want to I don't want to play defense against other guys. Shout to Mo Bamba. You know, like, yeah, I don't want to play Mo Bamba. <laughs> and we're playing with this Viking guy yesterday. And yeah, it's he's all literally I'm thinking known about. As the Viking. <laughs> yeah, it's all I'm thinking about. Like, yeah, it's crazy. You know, like I just Zachary Th Thornton says you're wearing me out too. Well, then don't be here. I mean, and this comes up every time we talk about politics or COVID. If you don't, if you don't like our stance on on COVID or or politics, you're you. Nobody's begging you to be here. I really don't care if you think it's us. Like it, you're the the funny thing is you get upset about COVID and protocols, and Aaron Rodgers essentially said that. The NFL was singling out unvaccinated players by making them wear a mask. Do you know how stupid that is? Like, do you understand? Like, you have to wear a mask, man. Like, but it becomes political. If you're uncomfortable with the things we say, you're welcome not to be here. Nothing that we say on this show is off the top of our heads or, or, I mean, it's just, the whole thing's frustrating. Yeah, I've been immunized. Um, Giggity says, can we discuss how peach margarita separates men from boys? I agree. <laughs> so we went to Mammoth over uh, <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, and I don't really understand this about you. Because okay. you are vaccinated. I thought you'd be able to handle peach margarita. Well. Yeah, I've been immunized. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> So we go to Gomez's, thanks to our friend Eric C. We go to Gomez's. Yeah. In Mammoth. Yeah. Fantastic food. Great Thanks. recommendation. Excellent. Really well um, You know, I, I think it is. It's bomb. Uh, yeah, it was really good. And we had spent the day snowboarding, so we decided, I decided, to get a pitcher of peach margaritas. Mm -hmm. How many did you have? Seven. Sips. Seven sips. <laughs> Out of like this tiny glass. Sorry, folks. That's what it is. You barely finished a glass. Barely. No, I had two. I had two. No. You had one that was almost empty, so I refilled it, and then you tried to chug it, and you almost died. Yeah. You're unable to chug peach margaritas. That's correct. I'm not okay. a veteran in the margarita game. Okay. 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 But it was um, fun. It was I'm fun. the one that drank most of that pitcher. Yeah. So, thanks for helping. Yeah, you came in clutch, man. You Wings know? and peach margaritas don't expect this guy to participate. Yeah. Because we used to go to Wingstop, and Jake was like, oh, it's Wing I Wednesday. I was like 10 years old when this was happening, by the way. No, you weren't. Yeah, I was. No, you were like 15. Okay, same thing. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> You just don't you, – you, you, you're one of those guys who's like, oh, yeah, I can handle it. Yeah, I've been immunized. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Um, you're like, you're one of those guys who's like, yeah, I can handle it. And then you can't handle it. Well, you know, but yeah, it was great to get back on the board. I can tell you this mammoth was sad. Yeah. Friday at mammoth was amazing. Mm -hmm. I was actually nervous. I wasn't sure I'd be able to snowboard ever again. Mm -hmm. And getting back on the board, it was just like, I mean, it's like riding a bike, man. Yeah. You never great. forget it. It was great. Um, the step on bindings from Burton pff, worth every penny. I mean, they are, they're awesome. They're awesome. Um, and all I can say is I can't wait for the 19th of November because that's when canyons and park city opens. Um, and then five days later, we're going to Hawaii for 10 days. So, you know, 
But yeah, the trip yeah. was great. It was good to get on the road. We drove to Mammoth, so it was solid seven hours there, eight hours back. Um, it was awesome. The yeah. the Volvo or the Volvo. Wow. Wow. The Audi was awesome. Klaus was amazing. Thanks. Excellent. How were the snow bunnies? Um, didn't, I actually don't feel like I saw a lot of snow bunnies. Did we see a lot of snow bunnies? I don't remember seeing a lot of snow bunnies on the hill. Um, where we had dinner, there was some, hmm. there was some, <laughs> you know, so. But let's talk about this real quick. So we booked a package deal at the Mammoth Mountain Inn. Right. Where you got a room and you got lift tickets. And it was a complete debacle. I actually, I'm not sure I paid for it, but they said you could check in at two o'clock. All right, great. We get there at two o'clock, like your room won't be ready till four. Okay. And I said, hey, well, you know, and I was like, all right, well, hey, can I just, you know, I need to get my lift tickets from you guys. Well, we don't see that you bought lift tickets. Yeah, I know what time it is. Well, you know, I bought a package deal online. No, no, we just see that you booked a room. So you have to walk all the way over to the main lodge. And the lady at the main lodge is like, yeah, here are your lift tickets. Like there's, it was amazing. There was zero communication. So my question is, is that just because it's hard to hire people because they're clearly short-staffed? There's no doubt about that, right? You would, yeah, I think you would agree with that. they're definitely short-staffed, yeah. You're definitely short-staffed. So is that because there's a service industry issue or you just think their process is broken? Well, I mean, I think there's a lack of, of people working in the service industry right now. I mean, that's no secret. I think we can all agree on that. But I, but I think that, I think that, you know, it, 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 I feel like it's a safe assumption that when you order a package deal online with a resort and it says, hey, two lift tickets, a room, X, Y, Z, and it's all yes. kind of spelled out, that when you roll up to the front desk, your lift tickets would be sitting there waiting for you. Your room would be ready at 2 o'clock. They would clearly communicate the fact that you're not staying in the main lodge, that you have to walk about 50 to 75 yards to another yes. building. Yes, Like these, just these little experienced things that you would kind of come to expect just weren't present so i'm not going to sit here and say that it was all on the human beings but at the end of the day i just would have expected better all of this to say the place also needs a renovation so that's the other thing at play here like that's why i like Vale because even if you have a bad customer service experience you're getting the best of the best in terms of room and experience and quality. infrastructure you know yeah. so like that's the the trade-off you have but you know, at the end of the day, it was a fun trip. That didn't ruin the trip. Like we had, oh, we had a great time. And I should point out that the Audi cruises at a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> so this road that we drove out through Nevada, you won't be able to take that in the winter time. But boy, if you ever want to drive to Mammoth and you want to do that through the the central part of Nevada, it's a great drive. There is nobody around. Yeah. For ninety percent of the trip, you're on the road by yourself. So we visited with country, you know, meadow, middle of nowhere pea guy several times, mm -hmm. um, which was awesome. You know, you just pull over and, hey, man, you know, I'm just contributing. Kick it, we'll you know, flow. Trying to contribute to the drought and stuff. Right. Um, but it was awesome to be on winding roads. Um, you know, within 20 miles of Mammoth, everything's a winding road. Yes. You're on the road by yourself. So you're essentially using the entire road. Like, yeah, it's fun. Dude, it's super fun. It's super fun. Yeah, it's super fun. It is super, super fun. Yeah. So it was absolutely worth it. 100%. No doubt about it. Hundo worth P. It. Um, but the final thing I want to talk about today is boarding our dogs. Yeah. So we have two dogs. My wife went to the Grand Canyon on a girl's trip. Right. We went to Mammoth. Right. 
So we boarded our dogs at this, um, you know, little dog resort here in Salt Lake City. And they do a great job. The dogs were out of their freaking minds when we picked them up. Like, <laughs> I feel like the dogs did really well, yeah. um, you know, it, at this place. It's stressful to board your dog, though. Yeah. Like, it is, it is, um, it is, it is stressful. I, it's, would you board the dogs? Would you try to find somebody to watch them? Like, well, ideally you would have like a neighbor who could just, you know, stop on by twice a day and let them out. And, you know, cause at the end of the day, you want your dogs to be able to be at home. As yeah. Much but as you possible, can't leave but. your dogs at home with your neighbor checking on them for four days. You, that doesn't work. And this place, the place is literally called little dog resort. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a great job. Like, they feed them on your schedule. They give them their, you know, like, we give them vitamins. They give them their vitamins on schedule. Like, they do all this great stuff for them. And, but, like, my one dog came home. He was all, like, hoarse from coughing or from barking so much. Yeah. So, all they do there is bark. Like, it is stressful, though. The nice thing is this place, like, takes pictures for you. and It's not an, a resort issue. I just think for dogs, when you spend 95% yeah. of your life, in the same place on the same routine doing the same thing every day and then you're you know you're put around a bunch of other dogs and a different experience for a few days it's stressful you know but at the end of the day yeah i mean they were they were lit when we picked them up i mean you know Django, the little guy of the two was definitely he's the more he has more anxiety than you know the og rhino so i don't know i i think that it seemed like they had a fine time i just think that they were ready to go home by the way, I did finally sleep well last night with my wife back in back in town. Oh, good. Like yeah. it's odd to sleep alone. Uh huh. Well, for you it is. For me, you know, I'm forever alone. It's fine. Yeah, because you're single. Right. Yeah. Any anything new on the? I mean, thing? I mean, no, I haven't added any new conversations. I'm. I've been talking. If you remember before the mammoth tri- trip, I had seen uh megan we took that walk around another you know, megan you know i know i know seriously you got to come up with some better names um <laughs> i have i have her and you know another person and you know we'll see there's not a, there's not a major update no there's not all right cool well play the music okay i hope there's an update soon hopefully because you, you already missed the window to take somebody to hawaii yep i mean i've been trying for like six months and failed epically so we're like fine. 17 days away from hawaii i know today is the eighth yeah so I am uh, 16 days away from my You're 15 days away. Yeah. Cannot wait. All right. Make sure you hit subscribe. We are giving this uh, Xbox Series S away when we get to 3,000. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. Appreciate that. You guys should extend the show by 14 points for style points. Yeah, well, we have a life. See, we go hard all the Stop. time. We don't, we don't play our Stop. backups. Stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.